1: You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
0: And now, we go into the thick of it. Uh
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addison's
1: On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC and we've got a lot of Uh, Heavy content that we want to get to today. Dr. Richard Land uh, will join us in the next couple segments. Dr. Richard Land, the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. Mm -hmm. We are going to talk about biblical worldview and talking to your adult children about what could be controversial topics, especially around the holidays. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So looking forward to that. So, you know, and and which actually will tie in nicely to what we'll talk about in this segment. Got a comment on what's going on over at Hallmark. We just cannot overlook that. Right. But the backdrop for our conversation with Dr. Land will be that there is information from the Family Research Council that a 2018 survey found that just about seven percent of Americans have a biblical worldview.
2: 7%.
1: 7 That's
2: the lowest of all time.
1: It is stunning. Like, it is just, it's It's one of those things. But I will say this, though, Will the Great. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes it sense. It does. And, and, and I, I will tie it into what we'll talk about in this segment. And then we'll go back to this when we have Dr. Land on with us.
2: <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: I think that this is the reason why we saw Hallmark say, hey, we're sorry to all these families. We're sorry that we offended you. <laughs> We sorry that we featured a commercial of two women kissing in a mock marriage ceremony or wedding ceremony. We're sorry. And, um, you know, we didn't mean to upset so many people. Mm-hmm. And then within like 48 hours, yeah. we saw them say, we're sorry. We're not sorry. Well, we are sorry, <laughs> but we're sorry to a different group of people, not you people. We're sorry to the people who matter the most, mm-hmm. who can put the most pressure. Yep, And that's, that's as you referred to them, Will, mm-hmm. the LGBT." Q plus bullies.
2: Yeah. Or mafia or however you want to, you know, and, and the thing is I saw a, a CNN uh, report and it was a lady from Glad who was, uh-huh. who was on there. And she said, you know, we, we uh, were uh, distraught about what happened basically. And we mm-hmm. put pressure and like, we, we yep, talked sure to them did. and, and she said, you know, like we always do, we mobilize and, and I feel like mm-hmm. we, we helped him to change. And the, and the reporter asked her, you think it's because of the conversation you had? She was like, yeah, I yeah. I think so. And she also mentioned that, uh, you know, this was offensive to her wife <laughs> and her twins. Like, so she's married to a, quote unquote, married to a lady, you know, and they have totally, what, what, what has given rise is they have totally turned what family is. Like yes, they,
1: they, yes, you, you you see
2: what I'm saying, so I do
1: see what you're saying. In fact, there was a tweet that went out um kind of chastising the Hallmark company mm-hmm. um because that the Hallmark Channel had quote bowed to anti family activists <laughs> who sought to erase their community. <sighs> that was a tweet from a homosexual activist who said that at Hallmark Channel has bowed to anti family mm-hmm. activists who seek to erase our community Anti- now, listen. Family. anti-family anti-family <laughs> activists who seek to erase our erase community. community they hmm. went on to say this person via twitter um went on to say in so many words um get ready for some real pressure mm-hmm. and that's exactly what they did now that's let me exactly tell you something in the meantime while that is happening this is what christians are saying oh I don't know. Why do we have to be so hateful? Why are we calling for a boycott? Like, you know, is this really what Christ would do? Like, is this really loving? <laughs> do we do we I mean, shouldn't we just try to go along and get along? Why do we have to take a stand? Like, why do we have to say, mm. you know, why can't we just live and let live? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> While you've got the other side. And mm-hmm. and this is almost in a very literal sense. Yep. The other side, the opposite. They're pressing
2: the gas. They're like, okay. Uh-uh. Let's go
1: (laughs) They're 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 banking on Mm -hmm. the fact that only seven percent of Mm. Americans have a biblical worldview, which means this. Let me tell you what this means. If if you don't understand, if people are listening and they're like, well, what's the difference? I go to church. You know, I mean, of course, I automatically have a biblical worldview. No, you don't. No, you (laughs) don't. Let me tell you something. Just because you go to church. Come on. Does not mean that you have a biblical worldview. It is, in fact, quite different. A biblical worldview means that the very way you exist and live Mm -hmm. is filtered through the inerrant word of God. Amen. That is your final practice for everything. That's
2: right. That is how
1: you see the world. That's why we say you have to identify first and foremost as a Christian. That's your chief identity. In fact, Jesus Christ died to purchase that identity for you. Man. And that that alone
2: mm-hmm.
1: is worthy that he should get top billing. Amen. That he should be preeminent. Colossians 1 teaches us this. Jesus Christ is worthy of that. Yeah. That he should be preeminent. Yeah. As it is, however, as it is, so many of us are content to have the title of a Christian. Come on now. Because it gives us this sense of security. Well, you know, Mm. to be born in America is to be Christian. Mm. And Mm. we're content to go to church because that's what we do. We go to church. Mm. We dress up in our Sunday finest. Then we go out to eat. And we don't really care about what happens around us because that's none of our business. We're just good Christians. Mm. While what is happening is that we are supposed to be salt and light. We are supposed to be leading with the word of God in our daily engagement. We are supposed to have a biblical worldview. But what we are witnessing in our country right now, and forgive me, I know I get a little bit worked up. But it irks me. It really causes me great distress Mm -hmm. that there could be so many nominal Christians who are decrying what's happening in their country. Mm. We don't know. You're wringing your hands. We don't know. We don't understand. Like, what's going on in our country? I just feel like I'm losing my country. (laughs) But it's because you, the one who's wringing her hands, have not the biblical worldview that we should have if we expect our country to look different. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you understand that these people are activists while they criticize you for being one?
2: That's right. That's they right. tell
1: you, go back mm-hmm. and hide under your steeple. Mm-hmm. That's what they tell you to do. They say, please don't make us throw rocks at your stained glass.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: I mm. hear anything from you. The only time yeah. we expect to see you outside of the church, the only time. We expect to see you outside of the church is when you guys have been dismissed and you're headed over to Cracker Barrel. Right. (laughs) That's it. Right. We don't want to see you actively engaged in the culture. This is not your country. That's what they say. And you know what we Christians do? We say, well, we're not going to really be able to change them. So, you know what? We may as well do. We may as well keep watching Hallmark. May as well keep watching it, you know, because, I mean, they're not going to, they don't care about us, but they do care. Right. But they do care.
2: Yeah. and 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 that is the thing. You know, I don't know if we realize that we don't have to watch that, they, no. but they need us to watch it. And I'm reading a book uh, called The Man the Networks Love to Hate, and it, it's written by Brother Don, Don Wildman. Mm-hmm. And he was, and I, I was reading a portion where he was taking on Sears, and he was he was doing this because they were, um, they were a sponsor of some shows that were airing on one of the networks that just was some bad shows, and so he figured out, I need to go to the sponsors, I need to go, and 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 challenge them, and he went, and he had major success, and I was looking at um, the, the the Christian community and the people who were supporting Brother Don back then, and I'm I like, wow, look how, you know, little support. You you find almost today, like now there's more of a compromise. Ah, we don't need. But it seemed like there was more of a like backbone and say, like, no, Mm -hmm. this is wrong. You know, and I I think the decline that we see there is, you know, is an indication of where we are biblically speaking, our worldview, because now we like you're saying, we'll say, ah, you know, do we really need to do that? I don't know about whereas I think years ago it would have been more of a stance like, man, let's fight this because a lot depends on it, you know.
1: You know, I think that one of the most shameful things is that we have been engaged in a war over truth for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if we're honest, if we're real, we're losing that war. We're losing that battle. <laughs> and we're losing it because of friendly fire, because mm-hmm. there are Christians who stand up and point their weapons at other Christians and say it doesn't yeah. take all of that. And so we look like those of us who have a biblical worldview, the 7%. Let me just tell you right now, if if you are the 7% stand up, you're the real MVP. Like you're the <laughs> if, if you're the seven yeah. percent of Americans who have a biblical worldview and you say, Miki, again, please tell me. I, I mean, what is that? That means that every single way that you live is filtered through your robust understanding of the inerrant word of God. That's
2: right. That's right. Now,
1: look, guys. So so how does that how does that relate to what we are saying about Hallmark? Mm-hmm. This is the question for the for the biblical worldviewed Christian, if you will. This is the question what does God say about human sexuality?
0: Mm.
1: What is a marriage? You, if you go through the scriptures, there is not one place. Listen to me. And, and guys, you think because you've been conditioned to think this way, that what I'm saying to you is hateful. Let me tell you something. You feel that way by design and by great effort. It was a media marketing psychological campaign. It worked. All right. This is after the <laughs> ball in play. Yep. All right. So when you hear me speaking and and you hear me say that the Bible has clearly defined that marriage is between one man and one woman, Mm -hmm. there is not one place that you can look in the scriptures. If you're a biblical Christian and there's a difference, if you're content to just be a Christian, just know that there is a difference between calling yourself a Christian and living out your faith every single day. Yeah. These are the faithful disciples. Right. These are the these are the ones who have turned their back on what the world has to offer Mm -hmm. and are willing to die for the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. That death may not be beheaded. That death may not be going to the gallows. It may it may not be out in the arena. It may not be boiled in vats of oil. That death may being may be being ostracized on social media.
2: Right.
1: Right. It may be losing a group of friends. Can you face that? Yeah. You see, I'm going to tell you something. You know, um, the book of Hebrews outlines a group of believers, faithful men and women of God, who the Bible says the world was not worthy of them. (laughs) (laughs) The Bible says the world was not worthy of these men and these women. And I look at us in 21st century America and we want so desperately to have this title of super Christian. we like, we so desperately want to be that person. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm. So we're like, you know, how can we present our best Christian foot on social <laughs> media? Like, how can we get the best Christian social media footprint? But in reality, we're hollow and we're empty mm. and we don't have the type of metal that we need to be able to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where the rubber meets the road. When a person presses you. And they said, "Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that marriage is only between a man and a woman?" This is where the Christian, the seven percent, this is where we stand up and we say, "Yeah, you know, yeah, I do. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah, because I look at Genesis 19, I look at Leviticus 18 and 20, I look at Romans 1, I look at 1 Corinthians 6, I look at Galatians 5, and I say there is nowhere in the Word of God. <laughs> there is nowhere in the Word of God." where homosexuality is favorably spoken of, not one place, guys, not one place. And you can have all of your reprobate apologists who try to give you a, a space where you can carve out and say, I'm a Christian, and also I'm gay, but I'm celibate, where you where you make a mockery of the cross and what Jesus Christ has died to secure for you, this newness of life, that you don't have to be a victim, you don't have to be held hostage to your sin, And let me tell you something else where this is the only thing in our culture right now. This tells you the job that the enemy has done against the church. Mm. This is the only thing that we look. We look at the list of grievances, the case that God makes against humanity in Romans one. This is the only thing that says we won't die. (laughs) We won't give it up like you. You're not going to make us feel bad about this. No, but you know what the Bible teaches us in Galatians, Galatians chapter five says that if we walk by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of our flesh. Amen. The desires of our flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And we live in a culture that compels Christians to approve of the things that people do not themselves want to do. Yeah, They are counting on you to tell the truth. You can go to 1MillionMoms.com, sign the petition. Over 5,000 people have already signed the petition. Again, send a message to Hallmark. We got to grab the break. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll come back and talk about the 7% with Dr. Richard Lamb. Please don't go anywhere. the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for spending this time of the day with us. We really do appreciate it as we talk about the issues of the day, pop culture, and how this all affects us faithfully living, um, what it means to be a Christian.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. I
1: mean, if, if, if that doesn't mean having a biblical worldview, then, I mean, what are we doing? We're going to get right. into a little bit of that um, in just a minute here with Dr. Land. Uh, but let me just say, again, I'm Miki.
2: And I'm Will Tori Kelly with Psalm 42.
1: Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. And, uh, you know, these are the kinds of conversations that Will and I really <laughs> we kind of get up thinking about. Right. Like mm-hmm. what's going on in our country? What's going on in our church? And I think that's probably where the greater responsibility is. What's happening among those who are professing to be believers that's right. um, that we can see uh, so much of a decline reflected in our nation. So let's talk a little bit about that with Dr. Richard Land. Uh, who is the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary, a leader in Christian apologetics education, and also serves as the executive editor? of the Christian Post. Dr. Land has taught as a visiting or adjunct professor for several seminaries and has authored or edited more than 15 books. He earned his doctor of philosophy degree from Oxford University in England and his bachelor's degree from Princeton University. And uh, he joins us today. We're going to talk about something unique that they are doing at SES and also why it's important for where we are at this point in the history of the church. we look back 2,000 years and all of the various attacks that we have faced Uh, The Lord has been faithful. The gates of hell have not prevailed against the church, but that's not because there haven't been attacks. (laughs) That's right.
0: That's right. So
1: anyway, every generation has to respond accordingly. Dr. Land, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Well, I'm delighted to be with you.
1: So, you know, one of the things that uh, grabbed my attention about what your uh, seminary is responding to is the fact that uh, 7% Hmm. of Americans have a biblical worldview. Um, I tried in the first segment Unbelievable. to, you know, because when you read that, this information came from the Family Research Council. I got to tell yeah. you, you think that they get their preposition wrong. You think that they say it's dropped by 7%, but that's <laughs> not what they say. They say that 7% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Help us understand what it means to have a biblical worldview, Dr. Land.
0: Well, you know, the, let me say, first of all, the reason for that, one of the reasons is, is that there was a survey done about... Four years ago, by Pew, that found that only about half of Protestant ministers have a have a, a Christian worldview. Mm. So, if you're getting that uncertain sound from the pulpit, right, um, you're going to get an uncertain sound from the people, right? And breaking it down by denominations, the lowest percentage of ministers who had a biblical worldview were Methodists, and the uh-huh. highest were Baptists. But the Southern Baptists were only seventy percent, and they were the highest. Wow. So, you know. If the, if the pulpit gives forth an uncertain sound, you know, you're pretty hopeless. Um, we have simply been engulfed in our country by moral relativism. Mm-hmm. And so that means that nothing is always true. <laughs> well, a Christian worldview starts with the fact that some things are always true and some things are always wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you say that nothing is always true and nothing is always wrong, and that all all beliefs and all facts are relative you know those are those are your facts and i have my facts well, no facts are stubborn things <laughs> facts are facts right. That's you, right. you're not entitled to your own facts you're not That's entitled right. to your own your own truth truth is true mm-hmm. um, and so once that happens you've really given yourself um, a a um, uh, a logical and moral lobotomy and so mm-hmm. you, you've lost the ability to ascertain truth. Mm-hmm. And thus you become, the, you become the source of your own truth, which is totally subjective. Whereas the Bible, Christians say that the Bible is truth. Jesus mm-hmm. says, I am truth. I am truth. I'm not, you know, I'm not true. I'm truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, we believe that the Bible is, is timeless truth. And as a, as a consequence... If I have an experience that contradicts Scripture, then I am to reject my experience because the devil can counterfeit my experience. He mm-hmm. can't counterfeit Scripture.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen. Mm. So now let me say this. So I listen to that, and I think that there would probably be a fair amount of our listeners who are dialed in today, and they say, "Dr. Land, I agree with you." However. I am talking to family members on a regular basis who say, no, you're wrong. We live in a post-truth culture where people Mm -hmm. don't even value that you can present to them facts. I mean, listen, we are having subjective conversations all the time that are presented as objective truth, right? It's I feel this way. And it seems that feelings are more valuable in our culture today. How do we navigate that and remain biblically faithful?
0: Well, first of all, we identify what it is. Um, you know, I, I was talking to an apologist from California, and and he was sort of like he was sort of like a missionary from the future, because <laughs> California is where the country's going mm. if we mm. don't turn this tide back. Yeah. Uh, California is our future, which is a pretty grim <laughs> prospect. Right. And he said, even in Christian church, he 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 talks to Christian young people that you know they say now if you're telling me I have to choose between biblical truth about homosexuality, and my best friend, who's a lesbian, I'm going to choose my best friend. Mm. <laughs> and he said that, this is, that they, they go by how they feel, right. not what they think. Mm. Not what they think, but what they feel. And um, I've talked to others uh, who are in the apologetics field. And, and they'll have Christian young people just going right along with them when they talk about abortion and when they talk about other issues. But when they start talking about sexuality and homosexuality and transgenderism, they 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 can see the look come across their faces. Well, you're just a hate monger. Mm-hmm. You're just a bigot. And 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 the reason for that is we've allowed our children to be brainwashed by our culture. Uh, they captured MTV. Mm. And they've captured. They've largely captured the, the popular culture, and and we are relational beings. God created us for fellowship with Him and fellowship with each other. Mm-hmm. And people who are in isolation from others don't do well. They they begin to malfunction. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of hermits. I mean, they just malfunction. And so um, we have too carelessly allowed our children to be immersed and submerged in this relativistic culture mm. and you know an hour of sunday school and an hour of a church service on sunday morning and if you're lucky a church service on sunday night is not going to counterbalance that yeah. Come we have, on. we've got to we've got to for for children who are not yet grown we need to counterbalance the time. We need to monitor what they watch on the Internet, how That's much right. time they spend on the Internet. That's right. We need to have daily devotions with our children. That's and right. if we can at all possibly do it, either homeschool them or have them in really good Christian schools to mm. redress this balance. Mm. Because we're going to be influenced by our culture. You know, I'm a baby boomer, and people talk about the baby boom generation. They talk about the millennials. They talk about the baby busters. Why? Because we share a common generational experience, Mm -hmm. just like my parents were the World War II generation. They shared a common generational experience. And my parents, because they went through the Depression, no matter how good things were, they were always worried that the the wolf was at the door. Mm. Whereas I'm a boomer. I'm figuring how bad, no matter how bad it looks, it's going to turn out okay. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) And,
0: And that's just because of our generational experience. Right. And so we have got to understand that when we live in this culture, that we have got to intentionally redress that balanced scale of time.
1: You mentioned, Go ahead, Will, you wanted to—
2: Yeah, yeah I was sorry. going to say, you mentioned about um, worldview and, and, and the pastors and, you know, what's going on in the churches. And I have to ask the question, so where are the pastors getting their worldview for from should we be looking at the seminaries mm. uh, are there <laughs> problems in our seminaries is and, and well you, yes yeah
1: yes <laughs> yes, yes. Um, oh boy will you they, don't really cut corners
0: because they have been they've been influenced by this culture too mm-hmm. i mean i'm shocked to see the extent to which in my own denomination southern baptist mm-hmm. that we have a woke culture mm. oh my goodness um, <laughs> you know, that, that it's just, uh, I mean, I would have not have imagined it was possible. <laughs> just, I'll give you an example. We have, um, I know of at least two instances where seminary officials, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to name the seminary, but a Southern Baptist seminary official has mm-hmm. said, of course I'm a racist. Um, I'm a white no, male. We... If I'm a white mm-hmm. male, I can't help but be a racist. Wow. That is a denial <laughs> wow. of the gospel. Come on. The gospel says we become new creatures in Christ. Come on. Come on. on. And it's a a denial of Martin Luther King's dream Mm -hmm. of a country (laughs) where we're judged not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, am not willing to give up on Dr. King's dream. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, am not willing to say that people cannot be liberated from whatever background.
2: Amen.
1: Look, Dr. Land, I try not to shout when, when people who are preaching have been like Oxford and Princeton educated. I try to just be like, you know, civilized. But you are preaching right now, and and let me tell you, I was going to stick to the script, Dr. Land. Okay, I was going to, we're going to talk about biblical worldview, we're going to talk about how do we talk to our kids and our family around Christmas. I wasn't going to get into critical race theory and wokeness, though, when you start talking about epistemology and how we can know stuff, and if there's a special type of knowledge that I, as a black person, would have that you, as a white man, you do not have, then I'm going, hold on a second, now we're getting into Gnosticism, and we need to have a discussion around this, and so since you have opened this can of worms.
0: <laughs> well, now let me let me let me let me be let me say that that I am certain that I cannot fully comprehend the black experience in America. Mm-hmm. I, I, I acknowledge that I can't fully comprehend the female experience in America. Mm-hmm. I'm still consistently horrified when I hear. Uh, a lot of this Me Too stuff. My wife is not horrified. My wife says, you know, what load of turners did you come in on? Mm. You know, (laughs) but uh, that doesn't mean that I'm a sexist. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm a racist. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm old enough. I'm 73 years old. I graduated from high school in 1965. Wonderful. I know people who were been raised that way in the South, and they changed, mm. <laughs> and the gospel changed them. Amen. Mm-hmm. And they were not racists. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. they just weren't. Mm-hmm. Now, did that mean they fully understood what black people go through? No. I mean, I I've talked about, about this a lot. You know, I, I think that one of the big problems we have is that that white racists don't behave around white people the way they were behave around black people, and so. Mm. Most white people don't understand the the racism that African Americans encounter on a daily and a weekly basis. And if they did, they would be outraged by it. Mm. Uh, no, that's a I valid think, point. But I also think that most white, most black people don't know the reservoir of goodwill that there is among whites who would be indeed horrified. I mean, For instance, I was doing this at a seminary class. I was talking about this. And a black seminary student said, well, Dr. Lanny says... When I walk across the parking lot, I can hear car doors being locked. Mm. <laughs> Just because I'm black, mm. and the other students in the class were horrified. Well, but Dr. Landau, let me say this: those car doors, those car doors didn't get locked when they walked across the parking lot. They, they, they didn't get followed around in the department store by the security yeah. personnel. But no, that that's mean, real. But, but that that's real. But that doesn't mean. That people don't fully, who don't fully comprehend that experience are racist. They're just not. So let me you know, let me
1: make I'm, the point that I was getting at, Dr. Land. Let me yeah. just let me just let me just jump in here because I could also say I could also say that I will not fully <laughs> comprehend what it is to be a white man in America these days. Because you understand, Dr. Land, by by all definitions, right now in this country, you are at the bottom. You understand? Well, I'm As a black a, I'm woman,
0: three time loser. Do you see what I'm, I'm, I'm saying? White, I'm, I'm white, I'm male, and I'm old. And you're Christian, so four-time loser. That's so, so, okay? racism, sexism, racism, sexism, and genderism oh, all in one goodness. fell swoop. So,
1: so look, so Dr. Land, if we are sharing sympathies, then let me just also apologize to you and your people <laughs> for what you're going through right now in this country. I guess the point that I'm getting at, what I'm driving at, when I talk about this special knowledge and when, when I talk about who can know what here is my question, and, I, and I'm and i asking this question sincerely, but I, I do have an answer in mind, okay? My question is, is there something that I can know, right, that I would speak to you and I would say something that then the Word of God becomes irrelevant? Is, does my experience trump the Word of God and what we know to be true of Scripture? Do we need to have this additional knowledge, I guess, is what I'm talking about?
0: No. No. <laughs> no, um, exper- experience, like does not trump- experience does not trump the word of god
1: okay and All that's right. the point that i'm making when when i when because when i talk about yes you know we have these different experiences and this is coming down from seminary right this is and look and I'm, I'm glad you said it you know because among southern baptists right now i mean i am just i'm shocked and i'm in awe at what's happening the gentleman that you referred to we have discussed this on this program i say this if you confess to being a racist you are in sin you need to step down you're not fit to be in any position of leadership and have authority over anybody. You need to sit down. You need to be uh, confess your sin, be reconciled, and then walk through whatever the steps are. I don't know. Is there like new racist training? Like what? What? What do white people do when they're racist and they're recovering? I don't know what they do. Well, I would
0: call it. I would call it. Uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us Amen. our sins Amen. and to cleanse us small and righteous. Now, I want to be on record. I didn't mention anybody's name. I didn't mention any school. No, you didn't.
1: You didn't. You didn't, no, but I knew did. what and you were talking just, about
0: then. And, and there's not just one person. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> no, you're right. Right. Let me tell you something, Dr. Land, you're safe. I'm not going to throw you under the bus. I'll take all responsibility because I talk about this on a regular basis, okay? So this is what Miki is saying. Dr. Land's not naming anybody's name or
0: talking about me, anybody's I mean, school. Fundamentally, it's a denial of the gospel. Yeah. That's what we're it is. Born men. We're born again from above. There's That's not right. anything in our background, there's not anything in our, in our history or our experience that cannot be overcome by the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ.
2: That's right. Amen. And let
1: me say this. Even though you said twice born men, I know that you also mean women. Um, We're going (laughs) to grab this break. (laughs) That's a joke. Just a joke. We're going to grab this break, and we'll come right back with Dr. Richard Land. Don't go anywhere. To Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio, we appreciate you listening. I'm Miki.
2: and I'm Will. And that's Todd Delaney with we'll "Fall in Love Again,"
1: and Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and um, our guest is the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary, Dr. Richard Land. And um, with all due respect, I am really enjoying this interview. I don't want anyone to think <laughs> that my joking or that I'm that I am not enjoying this interview or that I am not respecting Dr. Land. Uh, We appreciate his work and we appreciate what he does ongoingly. Um, I was, my intent was to have a conversation about how you talk to your kids um, about those things (laughs) that are, you know, taboo. We may go into that a little bit. Um, But when we start talking about wokeness and critical race theory, that is something that I immediately, well, obviously have an opinion about because I see it destroying the church. And and being a seminary, I see it destroying the body of Christ. And being
2: a seminary president, you know, like. If this stuff is getting in through the seminaries, yes. you know, you you have to be like a goalie at, at where you are to make that's sure right. this stuff is not, you know, coming through. So that's, it's, that's pretty crazy.
1: That's right. And ask let me right remind. Questions. Go ahead, Dr. Land. I'm sorry. Say that again.
0: You have to you have to ask the right. Yeah,
2: questions. I bet. <laughs> yes.
1: You know, it's amazing. I, I will say this and then we'll get more into talking about apologetics because you share an interesting story and, and sort of the reason that. Um, that SES is responding and aggressively teaching apologetics would be the way that I would describe it. But before we go there, I just want to talk about how subtle the deception is when we talk about critical race theory and wokeness, because you've got a lot of people who will say all of the right things up to a certain point, right? And you think that Mm -hmm. you're on the same page. And then it's like you sort of turn this corner. And then it's almost as if you are talking about a different religious conviction, you know, and so it's very dangerous. And I see it, uh, dividing and destroying the body of Christ. And I just want to get maybe one more thought from you on that, and then we'll kind of move into apologetics, which I think this falls under that category.
0: Well, it, well, I think it does. Um, it is, um, what it is, is it's a, a cultural value that has invaded um, and is trying to use Scripture to overturn other Scripture. Yes. Um, you know, God is no respecter of persons, period. I mean, you know, racism... Is contradicted from beginning to end in the Bible, and and unfortunately, it's as old as sin. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is thinking of of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, and thinking of others as less because they're different than you. Um, but um, the church combated it when it was Jews versus Gentiles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and of course, women women were property in the first century, mm-hmm. and yet in the New Testament, they are prominent. There's no other document in ancient history um, where women are as prominent as they are in the New Testament,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: everywhere that the gospel has gone, the plight of women has improved.
1: Amen. Radically. Amen. Amen. I agree. I mean and and what could you disagree with, you know, if we are all reading the same word, right. there's nothing that we could disagree with because it's right there in the scriptures. I think the problem that we get into is when we say we need to bring in another framework, you know. So I'm 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 diving into this deeply right now, Dr. Land, and when I look at this, I see that it is incompatible with the Bible, that it will destroy the church. Inevitably, that's that's what will well, it's
0: happen. It's a de- it's a denial of the gospel and 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 when it comes to to homosexuality and transgenderism, mm-hmm. it's the ultimate rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God made us male and female, yep. and we say, "I don't want to be male. I want to be female." So I'm going to revolt against what God made me, and I'm going to make myself something else. It's the ultimate rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. So let's and let's you talk about, you're about being a denial of science, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I mean, I don't care if you have surgery. I don't care if you have hormone injections. If you're a male, you've got certain chromosomes, and they're in every part of your body. And if you're a female, you have certain chromosomes, and they're in every part of your body. And that's that's, that's, right. a, that's a biological fact.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, when you say that, right, and there are parents who are listening to you, and you know their kids are coming home from college for the, the Christmas break, and they're going to be there through the first of the year— and so they're going to have several opportunities to have these kinds of conversations. Now, I understand what you just said, Dr. Land, and the Christian parents understand what you just said. But for the 20-year-olds and maybe in some instances the 30-year-olds and even the 40-year-olds are going to be <laughs> sitting around the table and they're going to go, no, you know, that's really antiquated. And, and even if those things were true, we just need to be loving and we need to be more accepting. Tell us why it's important for us to have a robust apologetic so that we can approach this in a way that is glorifying to God, but also understands what these people that are sitting around our dinner tables mm-hmm. have been pumped with in the culture.
0: Well, I think, first of all, you just got to understand that just because the Bible says so doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't because people look upon the Bible as you know just a book, yeah. um, even if they've been raised in church too often. Uh, you know, and so you 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 talk to them about natural law. You talk to them about the the law of non-contradiction. Uh, if something's true, then its opposite can't be true. If you if you don't believe that, then you have committed intellectual suicide. Hmm. Um, secondly, you know that if they say it's an antiquated idea, you say, "Well, now, how, do you tell truth by time by a clock? Do you tell truth by a calendar? <laughs> of course you don't." Right. Whether an idea is old or whether it's new has no no relevance as to whether it's true or not. Right. It has to be. It has to be tested. It has to be validated. It has to be examined. Um. And you know, it is a biological fact. You know, if 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 you really love someone, you tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. That's why people who live alone tend to get a little weird, because nobody loves them <laughs> enough to tell them they're doing something that's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, You know, you might be polite to people who aren't family members, but if you have a family member who starts doing something really weird, you're going to say, you know, that's really weird. You probably shouldn't do that anymore. Mm. Um, If you really love somebody, you tell them the truth. That's what true love is, Mm -hmm. as opposed to political correctness and politeness. Mm -hmm. True love, if you're really loving, if you really love someone, you're going to tell them the truth. You're going to tell them, first of all, that they are of, of inestimable value because God died for them. That mm-hmm. makes them someone of priceless worth, and God loves them. Mm-hmm. God may not God may not love what they're doing. He may not love what they're saying, but He loves them. They are a mm-hmm. person of 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 priceless. They're they're priceless. They're of, they're of uh, incalculable value. Each and every one was designed by God in His brother's womb to be uh the person God created them to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Dr. Land, I want to make sure that we squeeze in time, make sure that we have enough time to talk about the program that you guys have at SES, the philosophy, politics and economics program Mm -hmm. and how that is beneficial to parents, how that's beneficial to lay people like myself. But then also you make an incredible point here that you say most of the conversations that we are having today, you know, most of the discussions where we seem that we're just talking past one another fall into one of these three categories talk about that a little bit
0: well you know we we uh, our children come home and they um they they um, they've usually been taught lots of stuff that they shouldn't have been taught in colleges right. even christian colleges and um and in the culture and you know uh, philosophy politics and economics well let's just let's just start with the nature of man um socialism says that man is basically good, or at least neutral. And he will work according to his ability and receive according to his need. Now, we've had a lot of experiments with that in the 20th century, and it never worked. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because that's not the nature of man. The nature of man is that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17:9. for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. And the only way that people are going to really, um, um, are going to really, um, Work very hard is is that they they get to keep a significant portion of what they what they buy or what they right. make
1: what they make right
0: um, you know um, the um, they 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 have a uh, an issue where um, you know I lived in socialist England I lived before Mrs Thatcher in England I lived in, hmm. from 1972 to seventy five. I lived in late socialist Britain and nothing worked nothing worked. Why? Wow. Uh, England's an island of coal. When they elected the socialist government in 1945, within two years, they were having to import coal because the miners all got paid the same amount of money, no matter how much or how little coal they digged. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They dug less coal each year. Right. Mm-hmm. They had a category called voluntary unemployment. You could choose <laughs> to be unemployed and get paid by the government. Mm-hmm. And so they wow. had high unemployment and they had low productivity. Um You know, there are certain realities, there are certain truths, and the capitalist system has worked best because it's most in accord with biblical values. Mm -hmm. But it also understands that capitalists and bosses are sinful, too. So you Mm -hmm. have to have balance. You have to have uh, labor and and government and and capital together balancing each other um, in the same way we have a balanced political system of the executive branch and the congressional branch and the judicial branch. Because our, our forefathers understood that men were sinful, mm-hmm. and, and they need, there needed to be checks and balances on the human craving for power. Mm.
1: Dr. Land, I was reading about a couple that you mentioned who this this older couple was learning about some of these non-Christian philosophies in an attempt to try to connect with their older children who have really adopted these philosophies. Now, having said that, let me ask you a question. Um, When we look at a lot of what is sort of accepted in the church today, these are philosophies of men and they're they're not told to us as, hey, let me teach you this philosophy of man. They're just presented in just, you know, casual language. You'll hear terminology just kind of coming out. Right. My -hmm. question is this. um, Is it to our advantage to have a certain amount of a working knowledge of these philosophies so that we can combat them? Or are we content to kind of just say, well, you know, it doesn't sound right, but I'll just stick to the Bible. Now, I understand that the Bible is totally sufficient. I'm not questioning that at all. I guess what I'm asking is, do we need to have a better understanding of what is trying to attack the Word of God?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, we tell our students we don't want them to be surprised by anything they hear. We, we go through the all worldly philosophies, mm-hmm. and we say what they believe and why they're wrong. We do the same thing with world religions. Mm -hmm. We teach what Islam believes and why it's wrong. Mm -hmm. We teach what Hinduism believes and why it's wrong. We don't want our students, when they go out into the world, to ever be surprised by a philosophy. We want them to know what that philosophy is. We want to know why it's wrong based upon natural law and based upon biblical principles.
1: Awesome. You know, um, I I, I brought this up a few weeks ago. And and this was my suggestion Dr Land my suggestion was for some of us. Now, I don't I think that there are some Christians among us, and the Bible speaks to this as well, that they may be a little bit weaker. You know, they may not be able to consume this information. Yeah. It could threaten their faith. Yeah. And I think that each person we, we've got to be sensitive about that. We 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 wanna be careful. But I think that there's a fair amount of us who really we're just content to bury our head in the sand, mm-hmm. and there's no excuse for that. We've got to be able to stand for truth in our generation, and a part of that means being equipped, knowing where the attack is, knowing where the the battle is and being able to kind of show up. So for the person who's listening right now, Dr. Land, and, and they say, you know, I've walked with the Lord for a long time. I don't need to know all of that. I just know that it's wrong. Um, what do you say to them?
0: Well, I would say that um, in the world in which we live today, there are two, two passages of scripture I would ask them to, to pray over. Mm-hmm. The first one is in Ephesians 6, where we're told to put on the whole armor of God, we may we stand against the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. That means we have to study to show ourselves approved. And um, Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus commands us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Yeah. Now, salt stops decay. It, sto- it It disinfects, and it stops decay. Now, you can't disinfect and stop decay if you're withdrawn from the world. If you're going to be the salt of the earth, the salt has to come into contact with that which is going to preserve, and that which is going to disinfect. So we're called as Christians to go out and stop the rot and the decay of the sexual revolution, the rot and the decay of these man-worshipping, narcissistic philosophies. Mm. And as light, we're to penetrate the darkness. He mm-hmm. said, let your light so shine that men will see your light. So we've got to be close enough they can feel the heat and see the light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then may glorify our Father which is in heaven. There is no room in being obedient to the command to be salt and light for us to withdraw from the culture and to go into uh, our little closed Bible societies and go into a holding pattern waiting until it's time for the rapture.
1: Mm, That's good. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Dr. Lamb, we've got less than a minute uh, left in the program, but one final question. How do we take this 7%, those of us who have a biblical worldview, how do we increase that number?
0: One by one. Uh, we we do it depends on where you are in your life. You do it with your own children. You do it with other people's children. You get involved in a a church that is is doing this and is committed to doing this. You can do it with your grandchildren. You can start teaching your grandchildren um, about the uniqueness of American history and the uniqueness of Christian mm-hmm. history, and mm-hmm. teach them their heritage and teach them their their true biblical heritage. It's a one on one thing, and we're gonna we're gonna have to rebuild this from the inside out because the rot is from the inside.
1: Oh, we're gonna leave it right there. That's a that's a that's a great admonition for us to just come to rest at right there. Dr. Richard Land, everybody, president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. You can check out SES at SES.edu, www.ses.edu. Well the great this our first time talking with Dr. Land and Damn, I've enjoyed it's it. Awesome, Hopefully, man. It, I hope I haven't ruined it for us that it won't be our <laughs> last. Uh, we'll have to try to do it again. All right, that's all the time we have today. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
2: God bless.